Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Coast to Coast Combat Hour. I'm your host, Matthew Hawkins, along with my co-host, Ed Carbajal. And on a weekly basis, we plan to bring you the biggest news and interviews in the world of combat sports. Ed, how you doing, my man? All right. Not bad. We're doing pretty good, actually. I'm excited to have uh, Yuri return to help us with the uh, breakdown for the upcoming uh, weekend's big fight. Yeah, we got UFC 231 to, to look forward to, and uh, and Yuri being one of our uh, donators uh, online, um, we promised that uh, we would bring those guys on to, that uh, were willing to put some money into the show and uh, and give them a chance to uh, vocalize their opinions uh, to the audience. So, uh, Yuri, thanks for joining us. My pleasure. Good to see you guys. Nice having you back. So, uh, before we get into 231, uh we had a pretty stacked weekend of action. Uh, we had two UFC cards. We had uh, two Bellator cards. There was a Bellator kickboxing event. There was a KSW event. Um, you know, but it pretty much uh, started off Friday night uh, with Bellator uh, 210 um, and uh, John Salter's uh, uh, submission victory over uh, uh, Chidi Injikawani. Um Kind of what I expected. Uh, you guys shocked at all by that that result? No, I wasn't. No, I can't say that I was. You were right. Yeah, I I, uh, I, I just thought Salter would use his ground game. And Jaquani's really good fighter when you get him uh, against another striker. Um, you know, him versus Melvin Manhoff would have been a, a, a hell of a fight. Um, but but his submission game just isn't on, isn't on par with the the submission and wrestling game of uh, no it was it's a smart way to fight a guy uh, a rangy guy like uh like that so Salter was definitely I mean I I didn't I actually thought he might have gotten clipped with something but um I, as soon as he got wrapped around him and closed the distance I wasn't surprised at at all with the result I mean overall the weekend was kind of exhausting for a fight fan <laughs> it was like a lot to keep up with. No, it was it was funny. I was, you know, my brother made a joke. I was visiting family, and uh, after seeing what it's like for me on a, on a on a weekend, they said to Matt, "You really don't ever go to bed. You just take naps between fights." And uh, <laughs> it was kind of the truth this weekend. Uh, you know, a lot of action. Um, also on that card, I mean, this is the Bellator card that just had the stacked uh, prelims, uh, top to bottom. Yeah. Um, we had mentioned that you know I, I thought the. Uh, Goiti Yamauchi and uh, Daniel Weishel fight uh, really probably should have been the main event based off of uh, off their career accolades. But, um, you know, uh, Yamauchi uh, earned a, a split decision in a very, very close fight. Um, definitely wasn't the most exciting fight of the night, but but a huge win for him. Absolutely, man. I mean, um, a lot of fights on that that I don't understand. And Bellator seems to be uh, racking up all these, like, double – back-to-back uh, events. I don't know if you saw today. They're going to do one in February. They got another one coming up this month. So they're going to they're gonna do a whole weekend at, at Mohegan Sun in February um, with the MVP daily uh, uh, announcement. I think the uh, uh, Mitrione and uh, Sergey Karatov, yeah, are on that card. And then, um, but um, that the, the prelims, like you said, the Bellator 210 was just crazy stacked. Like even Joe Warren, I'm used to Joe, seeing Joe Warren on on a main event broadcast. I mean, granted, I, I was bothers me. He's like a Bellator staple, so to see him lose the way he did always bothered me. 
um, just because he's like one of the fighters that I followed from like the MTV two days of Bellator. So, yeah, he's been there. I mean, since day one, uh, him and Michael Chandler have really always kind of been the, the faces of Bellator um, from the, from the early tournament days, you know, uh, Joe Warren got into the game uh, late, you know, and, and I think now he's just kind of um, as fighters keep evolving and, and he continues to try to fight the younger upcoming talent. I just think it just catches up with him. Um, yeah. He's going to start having injuries. I, did he, did he have a broke? I think they said he didn't break his collarbone, but it was a stinger, but you know, yeah. that's just injuries. I think he's going to start to get, um, I'm yeah. not sure his exact age, but he's, he's, he's approaching 40 or in his early forties, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah. He's definitely up there. I mean, I, I don't want to say he's as old, as old as I am. He's maybe a year or two younger, but um, he definitely uh, needs, he needs to, uh, I mean, I know he's got one fight left on his contract, so maybe he needs to start thinking about what, what to do. When he's done fighting, but uh, Yuri, how do you uh, when you watch the fights? And I know how Matt does it, and I know how I do. It, but like when when you when you're stacked up on fights, uh, the way we were last week, and how do you handle it? Like how do you schedule it? Do you take naps? You do coffee? What do you do? Well, all the above. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I've got a job. I'm juggling kids, so uh, oh, wow. it's getting like. And then you got buddies and you got a fight party and you got, you know, all this and that going on. So I had a spread, you know, um, and then kind of just brought it out the next day, too, and picked out the bad stuff, left the good stuff there for the guys. you got to have plenty of beer. That's what it is. But, no, it's, uh, yeah, I mean, the first day, yeah, you got to pace yourself, right? It's <laughs> like a fight. Yeah. you got to pace yeah. yourself. So, so you uh... – yeah, uh, you're. You said you have kids, so you're used to not getting that much sleep. Then, yeah, for uh, the last <laughs> 17 years, nothing but gray hair over here. So, yeah. Cool. What, uh, it was. A, it was a super Saturday. I mean, it was like a super fight weekend, though. I mean, I don't think I don't remember a time where they've double stacked a Bellator and a UFC, and yeah. then they have, you know, uh, World Championship Boxing. That was awesome. And then the others you mentioned. So uh, I thought it was dope. I just tried to pace myself, uh, stay off the internet for the results on the on the Bellator, because you know they do that in Italy and Israel. You know we have that issue, and they'll sort it out. Um, and to hit on your point is like, uh, what are they doing? Why are they stacking it like that? Um, I think I don't know either. You know, I really don't. But I kind of trust it because if you take, I mean, you mentioned MTV too, and in the beginning it was ESPN Deportes back in yeah. you know one through fifteen or whatever it was. And uh, but then you just kind of look at it since Scott Scotty took over and uh, good things are happening. Good people. It's like strike force, too. So I'm just going to trust it. I mean, that was that was really cool because uh, that's probably I don't watch a whole lot of prelims, honestly. Um, UFC, these guys, you know, I'll wait two, three, four fights until uh, they start coming on before getting to know them generally. But uh, this one was worth watching for sure. Yeah. Oh, I got a quick shout out. I don't know if you see what I'm wearing here. So today, the Seattle Seattle announced the NHL team that we've been waiting for for a hundred years. Oh, okay. Is it good? Is yeah, that so is that the name? That's well. That's the Sonics. Where we're trying to get the Seattle Sonics back in town. That's that's the basketball team that went to uh, what Vancouver and then to OKC. Okay, OKC. Okay, okay, <laughs> we love, Who are our picks? We had Kevin Durant came to Seattle. And like everybody, we kick them out so they can go win championships elsewhere. <laughs> yeah. 
Anyway. The, the, the only thing good about Supersonics is that they were mentioned in a too short song. Otherwise, it's otherwise it's Lake Show here on the West Coast. Wow. But um, that's... <laughs> yeah, I only watch a fight, so I have no comment. So, uh, but, but getting back to it, uh, real quick uh, to finish off the Bellator uh, talk for the two ten card. Uh, Joe Schilling came back, uh, had a nice big TKO win in a in a bloodbath. Uh, finished his opponent um, who didn't who did corner basically threw in the towel, um, saved him saved him unneeded punishment. Um, Juan Archuleta. Uh, came back again and got a, a dominating decision, um, opening himself up for possible title shot uh, in a couple divisions, depending on uh, depending on what they want to do with him. Uh, David Rickles uh, in the co-main event got a win. Um, uh, kind of a surprise to me. I didn't think he – I thought he was kind of at the end of his run. Um, I think I was also shocked to find out I believe he's only 29 years old, uh, <laughs> which, uh, which I would have been off by about eight or nine years if you would have asked me. And nobody um, ages is like I, I do. I'm the only and one I know, that ages deeply. And I know one of Yuri's, uh, <laughs> one of Yuri's favorites, and, and one of my favorite female fighters, Christina Williams. Uh, oh yeah, that was a good fight, actually. Yeah, her and, and Bruna Allen's a, a, a tough woman, also. And uh, yeah, it was a good fight. Um, true test. Know. That was a true test for Williams, considering you know, I mean, she 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 beat Heather Hardy, who was new to the sport. It was a big win for it was a big name, but not not a big win as far as like quality mixed martial artists and then uh you know who she who i forget who she fought after that somebody a little more seasoned and i think bruna was a, probably the most seasoned person she's ever fought so that's definitely uh a, a, that, well, that's, that definitely got her uh, you know uh her name in other people's minds now yeah it's her probably her biggest season win she fought valerie letourneau in her previous that's fight right. that's right and, and uh and suffered a, a really i think it was a split decision or it was it was uh 29 28 i can't well it was, that was at uh, Bellator 193. I was actually at the fight, uh, but um, uh, so that that took care of Bellator for Friday night, and then uh, you know you turned over your TV or you flipped your DVR over to uh, the Ultimate Fighter, and um, obviously uh, you know the Ultimate Fighter in itself we've talked about has lost a lot of luster, um, and, and this season just seemed kind of kind of strange to me. But um, just to throw out the winners, the women's featherweight winner was Macy uh, Chazan. Um, she That's right. won. She won her fight by second round rear naked choke. So she becomes the the first featherweight uh, Ultimate Fighter female winner, and um, and down the road probably will get crushed by Cyborg, uh, like everybody else. Um, the heavyweight uh, Juan uh, Diepa um, uh, defeated Justin Frazier uh, submission first round. Uh, Juan's got some uh, definitely shows some some uh, promise, but um, uh, you know. It's it, it. I don't see. I don't see any of these guys hanging with the uh, the top ten of the division. I don't. I don't know. Do you see either of those fights? Uh, either of you guys? Oh, uh, you go ahead, Yuri. Uh, you know, I, I think I I, I kind of tuned in for the the end of the Juan fight just to see if two Wands could make one night. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, I mean, I saw that, but I didn't really catch the other one. And honestly, I haven't followed tough in you know some time. Um, so, I would defer. <laughs> yeah, I um, I, I definitely don't didn't follow this past season the way that I followed maybe the season before. But and I I can say that about most recent seasons. I mean, I haven't really been invested in, in Ultimate Fighter for a long time. Um, I caught in because uh, obviously I don't have. I I'm always complaining about how um, Comcast is crappy with taking channels away from me, and I don't 
I haven't subscribed to the zone yet. I'm I'm, I'm cutting the cord in, in uh, the new year, but so I always go to a bar to watch Bellator. So I watched all the Bellator when I got home. The Chase on fight was on, and uh, that you know she won. So um, and, and I caught everything you know from then on. But um, yeah, I mean, it, I didn't watch an episode of the season, and I feel bad saying that because I know that's that's like the uh, the chance for a lot of fighters coming in. But um, you know. I, it's it's oversaturated with not fights, which is kind of all I care about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's there's just there's so many uh, promotions nowadays that guys can fight everywhere. So yeah, you know, having having guys that are three and one or two and two or you know, it just doesn't uh, pique the interest. I I feel like the a couple of the most famous and or most fun seasons there have ever been have been when they brought back old known UFC fighters. Um, whether you go back to uh, uh, Matt Sarah, um, Travis Luter, or you, you come all the way up to more recently, where you, you know guys like I, I know Jesse Taylor won and and had his issue where he's been uh, removed from the UFC for for PEDs again, but it, it's still it it's people it's fighters people know that helped uh, revitalize the career of uh, James Krause, um, you know. So I I just wonder if uh, if that's more the way to go. You know, the UFC's had almost 500 events now. Um, I, I feel like there's so much more you can do and, and so much uh, more uh, interest you can get out of the fan base by bringing back fighters that um, that, well, that people have already been a little bit attached to. Let me ask you guys something, just because you, you, you mentioning that just made me think of the question. With with the, the state of the sport the way it is now and all the options out there, I mean, um, I don't know if you guys ever heard, I interviewed Austin Vanderford way back maybe a year ago, a little over a year ago when uh, he was he was fighting for victory fighting championships. And I asked him, you know, where, where he wanted to go. And obviously, you know, his 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 then fiance, Paige Van Zandt, was already in the UFC. And then, uh, you know, he went on the uh, contender series. He fought, I think, and won a decision, but he didn't he didn't he didn't get a contract. And then he announced today that he's fighting for Bellator. So I, I, I don't know. I mean, do you? Do you think that the the sport is at a point now that like the UFC is no longer the end of the road for them now? They like the other options, especially with the with the sponsorship thing. Because look at Sage Northcutt getting signed with one, and and all this Bellator Rising talk has got all the hardcore fans excited. I mean, I don't know. What do you guys think? Yeah, no, I mean you dead dead right there. And I think you know I have my personal opinions on it, and I think it stems back to the lawsuit, frankly. Um, you know, against Zufa, you know, kind of Carlos Newton and everybody who brought that up and kind of went forward with it, um, pushed hard. And then you started seeing people flock and uh, things were happening to level the playing field. I, that's my, my take on it. Uh, That's when everybody left and, you know, kind of, I don't know if, if it's going to work with the courts, maybe in 15 years when the lawsuit settled, but um, yeah, definitely. Um, they've more up now than they ever did. Oh, phone calls, guys. <laughs> uh, um, I, I thought that was like a ghost or something. Or... <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, at least I don't have the fire alarm this time. But um, yeah, there's there's definitely more options, and uh, you're seeing it. Yeah, it's really cool to, to see guys go to one. I kind of thought I yeah. lost interest in one kind of because one was like uh, a lot like Pride. Knees, elbows to the head, soccer kicks, and when they kind of seems like they adopted unified rules for the most part, I lost a lot of interest. And then it's that's one of those ones that you really have to reach out and go find one. Yeah, televised. The rest of this stuff is it's right there on our channels. So yeah, um, 
you know, and there, there's plenty of stuff on like the DAZN app and the Fight TV app, and I've got fights up the yin yang, and this is good for the fighters. So, so really quick, just because you meant we mentioned DAZN a few times, uh, if you guys watch, uh, when I spoke to Scott Coker in, in October, you know, not, <laughs> not only did he hint at, at the uh, Caldwell Horaguchi thing and, and issued the challenge uh, through my interview, but he, he all, I, if you listen to my questions, I said to him, I'm like, do you, do you think you and Ryzen will bring your, the, uh, your, uh, partnership or whatever, you know, when they work together, their collaborations to the zone. And, and he said, that's something that they wanted to work on with the expansion in, in Japan, because the zone has uh, a, a Jap, you know, like we have the zone USA, there's a zone Japan. So my prediction, I'm just putting this out there now before it fucking happens. <laughs> I, I think I think Ryzen's gonna jump ship from fight and and start. I, mean, I would say maybe 2019 second or you know, maybe second quarter. You you start seeing Ryzen events on the zone. That's just me being a you know conspiracy theorist. Oh, it makes yeah. sense. I, I would think that they would fight for the New Year's Eve show. Yeah. If they're if they're gonna you know I mean they're 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 basically involved financially with with Caldwell and his. I mean, they're a big part of that. I'd be going, hey, if that's one of our big fighters who we want to feature down the line, we want we want rights to this event. So, yeah, that's a great idea. I hadn't even really crossed my mind, but um, it makes perfect sense. Um, I want to I want to chime in real quick on you talked about fighters going other places. Yeah, you know, for me, um, you can sign nowadays. Signing with the UFC doesn't have the luster it did before. Um, what's the point of getting buried on prelims that? that somebody even like, uh, you know, a hardcore fan like Yuri doesn't necessarily catch, you know, I mean, it, it, you know, if you're fighting that early, a guy like Vanderfort, who correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe he's undefeated, right? Yeah. Seven or eight. No. Um, is his wife now is Paige Van Zant, So he's already got a little bit of, of marketability, um, whether it's just taking pictures with his wife or advertising, being an undefeated fighter. He's basically a win or two away from being the poster boy on an event for a Bellator event. Yeah. Um, Sage Northcutt, you know, you know, Sage Northcutt six and two in the UFC came in kind of as a, came in a little premature to the UFC, but they basically have put him on prelims and opening fights on, on a, on a fight night card. Now he's going to go to one FC and probably be the smack dab in the middle of the poster. You know, it's, it's, you know, if, if you're trying to build your own brand, you can't wait around. And if you're going to fight guys, the caliber of the UFC, if you're trying to build your own brand, you basically got to go on a 10-fight win streak. I mean, we got guys like Kamaru Usman, who, who's going to be the next topic, uh, who picked yeah. up a huge win this weekend against RDA. But um, I believe he's on a nine-fight win streak in UFC. And, you know, it, it, the casual fan on the street probably couldn't point him out of a lineup. You know, and then he's headlining the last two or three events he's been in. So I, I think, you know, when you get a chance to go to an organization that will really promote you and – you know, and and help you out, uh, especially when you're younger in your career like that. Um, I, to me, that's that's the that's one of the big factors I would think. Um, you know, gone are the days of just saying you're a UFC fighter um, when you can put up posters in your house now of being a, a main event or a co-main event for a Bellator or a, or a, a, a Golden Boy. I mean, you know, it's not it's not necessarily for the money, but if they're gonna if they're gonna put you a little bit front and center, then you you take the opportunity. I think, and I think that's what eventually can make you a superstar. The UFC has done a terrible job of building them, and uh, I think guys have got to look elsewhere for the opportunity to be have their face out there on flyers, on posters, on commercials, 
Um, and I think that that's the modern way of making money now. You can't rely on the promoter any longer. No, you can't. And and it's definitely, um, I mean, like the, the opportunities for them to look elsewhere are out there, though, just because of the growth of the sport. And as much as we, uh, you know, as much as we say the UFC has, has transformed into something that the longtime fans are starting to dislike, it's still because of their success that these other opportunities are out there. So um, that sh- uh, the, the ship's rising with the tide quote keeps popping in my head because a media guy said it to me in the uh, 20, the summer of 20, the summer of 2016, early in the summer of 2016, I was at a Combate Medicals event here in New York. And so one of the guys from MMA fight radio said that to me and uh, it didn't happen as fast as we thought it would. But I mean, look at what we have now. We got a season format PFL, We've got uh, Bellator doing their tournaments for for other weight classes and cross promoting, and uh, you know MMA Pro League. I, uh, I I know they have plans for 2019 that we'll hear about the in January, but you know it's just like, and that's a team format in MMA here in the states. So it's just like, it's like now's the time to try it. any crazy idea that that was tried in the past. Now's the time to try it because people. People are all are watching, but they're also getting tired fast of, of the regular, you know, thirteen fights and then, you know, and and pay per view and that's it. Well you mentioned and what's Kambate. funny about that. Yeah. Real quick, you mentioned Kimbate and, and to throw them in the mix, they're putting together an eight man one night tournament this Friday night on the yeah. zone. So you talk about going back to old school. You know, I don't know how the tournament's gonna unfold. Um his in, uh, in the I, last, I, I just published it on Frontproof. You can look at it there. I saw the I saw the brackets. I'm just saying yeah. in general. Um, oh, you mean like who wins? Yeah, how it unfolds. Whether we end up with alternates or guys with multiple losses continue. I mean, who knows how it's going to unfold? But I, you know, I got to give Campbell McLaren props for. Yeah, no, they have backups. There's alternates there. Yeah, but yeah. It, it just doesn't seem like I can't remember the last tournament that went really clean. It yeah. seems like you know in the last <laughs> in the last ten years when people have tried to do this, I don't know what their round format's going to be. You know, it's real cute to have a five minute first fight, but you know if you're going to do it, especially in a country that's not going to overregulate you, just do it right. Just just yep. ha- have your have your three round fights and, and move along the tournament and do it right. Um, the you know. That's my opinion, but but props to them for trying. That's on DAZN. Um, I imagine it'll start sometime around five o'clock Pacific time. I haven't looked at the exact. For, the DAZN needs to pay us. We mentioned them ten times already. In this, in this. I, I told you. I told you. Nine ninety nine is. My, <laughs> <laughs> I'll sell out for nine ninety nine for DAZN. Um, but uh, go ahead, Yuri. I, I cut you off there when you. When you Sorry. Talk, you know you're. Oh, yeah. I think it was uh, basically. Um, Ed was talking about how, hey, let's try any crazy old thing. It seems like everybody's just kind of taking bits and pieces of pride who already did it. And they're kind of doing that. So it's really the old school. I mean, uh, they had, I think they did, you know, they did it all. And so we've got, you know, Strike Force or Bellator now that's got that ramp. And you've got PFL doing, I love what PFL is doing, putting a million bucks up. By the way, man, this New Year's Eve is going to be nuts. It's nuts. Yeah, absolutely. So we got Ryzen and Bellator on a two day, then we got the PFL New Year's Eve. I'm not going to have time to blow off the fireworks. I need to. <laughs> well, I, I I think Ryzen's only one event this year. Not to not is to, it? I believe I'm they're fine only, with that. They're only they're <laughs> they're only going to be so in the U.S. United States. They'll be on on our West Coast. It'll be late on December 30th, the night, and it'll run into 
December 31st. Uh, early. So that's fine. But, um, and then like you said, get a little quick little nap in and then you get, you wake up and uh, midday on, on New Year's Eve or, or you fight through it. And, and then you get a, you get an awesome uh, night of full championship fights for, uh, for PFL. So like yeah. you said, you, that's, that's hard to, you know, that's what we wanted. That's what we, yeah. you know, we used to, we used yeah. to try to, and try to get you know these funky Japanese streams for years of K1 or, or uh, Inoki or whatever the heck we could get our hands on. Just to right. you know, once once Pride disappeared, we kind of we kind of lost that. And and uh, Dream Dream brought it on a couple times. And, and yeah. I know they worked with Gloria at one time for that that amazing event where it was about an eleven hour show or so. But, yeah, uh, and it's crazy how Yuri just mentioned how it's like it's it's what's old is new again, and and everything's kind of been. Uh, uh, stripped out of the old days of Pride FC because uh, we had Lee Daly, the author of the the History of Pride book. We've we've had him on this podcast twice, and uh, I'm I'm uh, about to finish that book up. And I actually just said something similar to my editor over at MyMMANews.com because he just got his copy, and he and uh, I said to him, you know, it's funny, it's weird that history is repeating itself, but now it looks like like all those ideas that people thought were crazy are are what's selling or drawing in fans now and new fans. I actually downloaded that for my flight home uh, yesterday, uh, coming back from visiting family and got about halfway through it. So, um, you know, just as, you know, for me who actually watched a lot of it and was kind of a historian, even back then, I'm, I'm pretty familiar with a lot of the stories, but some of the old wrestling, uh, you know, I, I didn't know everything that he, he talks about in the beginning of the book about, you know, the pro wrestling, uh, yeah. you know, how that evolved through Japan, through the, you know, 60s, 70s, 80s. Um, into yeah. the nineties. So that was really cool. And then, um, you know, if you're not all that familiar with pride or the, how the fights actually unfolded, it's a, it's a really good breakdown of some of the biggest bouts, um, in pride fighting. Um, so at least to where I've gotten to so far. So I definitely recommend the book. I know there's a, a mobile download is only a nine ninety nine on Amazon. So yeah, you know, the link is in the, in the bio to buy through Amazon on the YouTube channel here. Well, gosh, we've got so much to get through. We better uh, keep moving here. Uh, so, obviously, we talked about Kamaru Usman uh, just totally dominated uh, Rafael Dos Anjos. Dos Anjos. Um, I think my prediction was basically this. Um, it was a little more exciting than I had initially thought the Usman fight was going to be, but I just felt like he, he would grind it out and, and, and really um, uh, uh, stop a, a really exciting fighter uh, in, in Dos Anjos. And, uh, maybe yeah, Dos Anjos. I was wrong on that one. <laughs> Yeah, you know, you kind of, like you said, you kind of went with your heart. But I just I just think Dos Anjos needs to avoid these, you know, he's fought Covington now and, and then Usman. It's just the stylistically, it's just a bad matchup for him. Um, you know, it, so I don't know. We'll see where he goes from here. But, uh, you know, maybe would they make the 165-pound division, uh, it, it'll open up some fights that, that would be fun to watch for him. Um, do you have any take on that fight, Yuri? Pretty much the same thing? I thought it was, yeah, I mean, I, I was really impressed with Usman. I've never really thought that he was as boring as maybe some people thought he was. I like his uh, – man, he knows how to throw, and so it's fun to watch him do it. Um, he kind of fights like I used to, so <laughs> you kind of like people like that. But, um, yeah, I mean, he – first off, is it Dos Anjos or Dos Anjos? Somebody's got to figure this out. <laughs> I, think, I think it's Dos Anjos because the uh, Brazilians don't do the, the H sound like we Latinos do. It's not – because I, I I call them Dos Anjos for, for years, and then I, I hear the broadcasters all say Dos Anjos, so I stick with Dos Anjos. Yeah, so, I mean, after he RDA was looking just crazy back in the day, you know, a few years ago, uh, right before Eddie Alvarez and, and taking on that boatload of people, 
he looked uh, crazy unstoppable. And then, gee, I don't know what happened then. Anyway, um, kind of looks like he's going downhill. Really impressed with Usman. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I get where you're where you're heading with that. I just think I think he's stylistically he's taking some tough matchups, and and um, I get no, you know not. I mean, Usman's undefeated nine in a row now, and, and Covington's no joke. And, and like you said, so we'll see where he goes from now. Um, it, it'll never happen, but I'd love to see him fight a guy like Nate Diaz, some something like that, just to uh, or a Robbie Lawler or a um, somebody who's going to come at him and and you know, and, and just bring it or heck, maybe he decides it's time to move on and we see him fight Eddie Alvarez again in one FC or Sage Northcutt or something like that. I mean, some of those guys that would kind of come at him in a standup and, and, uh, and it, I mean, damn bring violence. That's for damn sure. Uh, yeah. so that gets us through Friday night. Uh, and then if you woke up early Saturday morning, I, I know you guys, uh, I don't think you guys caught it, but the Bellator kickboxing, just a couple notable results. Uh, Raymond Daniels, who is the Walter Wade champion, uh, Fought a non-title fight um, and uh, and won a majority decision. Tough name to pronounce, but it's Zakarari uh, Leo Leo Tini, um, uh, I believe a, a Italian fighter. Uh, but Daniels did his thing, lots of spins, um, and, and got the win. And then in the main event, uh, the featherweight champion Gabriel Varga got his second first round uh, knockout. Um, this one two two forty two into the first round. Um, I believe his last fight and ended about a minute and a half uh, or so when he beat. Um, oh gosh, uh, uh, Kevin Ross um, uh, to win the belt at, at uh, featherweight. So that was the uh, that was the Bellator kickboxing highlights. Um, and another quick highlight before we get into the other stuff was um, KSW held an event, um, another solid event. We don't really talk about them much. Um, but uh, it's notable because in the main event, um, Mohamed Khalidov uh, had a rematch against Tomas uh, Narkom, and uh, Narkom actually defeated him again. So it was the second loss in a row for Khalidov, and he left his gloves in the cage and retired. Oh, um, oh wow! And, and and that's notable. He's uh, 34 and and six, and prior to his loss uh, against uh, Narkom in uh, in March of 2018, his previous loss wasn't uh, since. Uh, May of 2010. So he basically went eight years undefeated. Um, it, it go down as one of the, uh, in my opinion, easily one of the top five fighters to never fight in the UFC. Um, but was really a, a, just an amazing fighter with some huge wins. And, uh, you know, it really a shame that we didn't get a chance to see him showcased here in the United States more, but I just wanted to get that out there. And um, again, if people aren't familiar, uh, Mohamed Khalidov, look him up, watch his YouTube highlights. Um, the guy was an absolute animal um, and, and a, a top, you know, 20 pound for pound fighter uh, for the majority of his career. And that's a good point, too, because not just a minute ago, we're talking about now that these fighters have somewhere to go. Yeah, they got multiple options where they're in the spotlight finally. And he's a guy that should have been and wasn't. And uh, yeah, that's uh, that's cool that we have these options now. And, and hopefully we don't see a whole lot of fighters that uh, do the kinds of things that he did for as long as he did. Uh, that don't get the spotlight or don't get the money they deserve. And uh, yeah. Yeah. I think, I mean, luckily for him, KSW came along um, towards the, the last, uh, you know, f- five years or so, give or take a little bit. And it, it allowed him to fight uh, in his home country and, and, uh, and really make some good money. I mean, uh, I don't know how familiar people are with KSW, but they're constantly filling 15 to 20,000 seat arenas. Um, I think they've even had a big couple bigger shows, maybe in the mid thirties. Um, they're on DAZN now too, so another another pitch for DAZN. Uh, if you have it, 
Um, you can watch replays, but it's a really a spectacle of a show. Um, they have the ramp, they have the laser lights. Um, the announcer, the play-by-play guy, is a little over the top. Uh, he, makes, <laughs> he makes Michael Chavello sound like uh, you know. Oh yeah, that's right. That's the guy that's he's very over dramatic or whatever. I remember. Oh yeah, yeah. He's 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 a bit much, but um, but the show in itself is 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 really awesome. And uh, you know it, that being added to the zone is nice because I occasionally would would throw ten fifteen bucks towards them for the, some of their uh, some of the P- Pudzilla fights or. Uh, you know, when they'd have some of their freak show stuff. So, um, and, and it's kind of a throwback to pride. You talk about that. They got some, like the, the strong men and the, you know, it's, there's not a lot of drug testing. Let's put it that way. In <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, not, not that, not that Kali Dahl falls in there into that category because there's no reason to believe that, that he, uh, he was, but, um, but definitely, uh, one of the, one of the great fighters of all time that a lot of people missed out on, um, that flowed right in, well, it didn't flow right into, uh, we had the Bellator uh, uh, Italy card um, that everybody thought was going live at, at 1, 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Uh, Eastern. That was uh, replay? I thought that was live too. No, I tuned into DAZN, and it went from your event starting shortly to watching uh, watching uh, Domingos Barros' uh, hand being <laughs> raised uh, in the co-main event. Oh, so wow. DAZN went live right in the middle of the co-main event. Um, and then showed the main event while the uh, while Paramount showed the opening bout of the the main card. Oh wow, man! I guess so, that's, that's another reason to have it. And, and well, yeah, I mean, I, I it was it was I guess it was nice because it wasn't a huge name of cards. You know, I didn't so I didn't watch it, but looking at it, there was knockouts left and right. So I kind of wish I had been a chance to actually sit and enjoy the card as opposed to just turning it on and it being the main event. Yeah. Um, uh, but um, you know. I, 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 we talk up Bellator and we all love Bellator and, you know, uh, we might even all argue it's, it's our favorite promotion, but, um, I just, uh, they got to get their stuff right, man. You can't, you can't, you can't tell fans that it's going live on Paramount and have people go on Twitter and see the results of the main event as it goes live. You know, I don't, yeah. I, that's a confusion too, that I just didn't get because I remember when they did the announcement, I mean, I was at the, I was at Viacom when they announced the partnership with the zone this past June. And, and it seemed like everybody was under the impression because I know other people wrote that. I mean, a lot of the, a lot of people wrote about how it was the fix for the, for the tape delay. And it looks like it just keep, it keeps happening. So that's a good, that's, that's something good that, that you're bringing up because it's, it seems to be like people, people are asking like, wait a minute, what, what did I pay for the zone for? If, if I, I'm still getting these delayed, uh, these delayed streams or cards or whatever it is. Yeah, well, that was supposed. To, that was the selling point. Was that you were going to get the European cards live, and that and that's that's fine. That's neither here nor there. I, I think if I'm guessing, what happened was since I watched the Bellator kickboxing event, it ended about two hours. So it, the, it was supposed to go live at one p.m. my time. About eleven a.m., the Bellator kickboxing card ended. So what mm. I think, I think those fights just ended way quickly, or there was just terrible planning, and they all of a sudden had an arena an hour and a half, two hours prior to the MMA portion kicking off and i think they just started it earlier and i think that that's probably what happened i haven't heard that officially but if i'm guessing just by the logistics of the timing of the, the fights that i watched that was the only way that made sense to me but um yeah i they just it, i i don't understand the the, <clears throat> the the complications behind it why isn't bellator kickboxing on zone? We can ask that question too. You know? Yeah. Well, I did. I mean, if you, again that that when I spoke to Coker in October, 
we talked about that. I mean, I mean, it's that's really not him just making the decisions, though. You know, he's got he's got a boss that he has to answer to, and everybody else that's in charge of something has to be in agreement because uh, it's a partnership. You know, it's not it's not that they all answer to one master. So that's because he said if it was up to him, he'd have uh, submission only, grappling in the cage, and all this other stuff. So it's not it's not unfortunately it's not up to him. I wish it was because we'd definitely be a lot happier if it was. Yeah, I, uh, my take on it all is, yeah, I kind of figured, you know, DAZN is relatively new. This deal is relatively new. And um, I think over time they're going to close the gap. That's the impression that I get. Um, we'll see is is how we can take it. Um, it hasn't killed me so far. Nothing that Dream hasn't done to me before. Where I'm sitting there for three hours, but or whatever it was. But, uh, I, yeah, I, I hope that they iron it out. I mean, I think we're only seeing this in, like, Italy and in Israel and whatnot. Um, but now, I mean, like guys who have Comcast, it sucks. Me and Matt and others, we have uh, Sling TV, so or anybody with Dish or Direct TV or whatever you got, um, we kind of get that on Paramount pretty much live. And then there's a Comcast delay, at least here on the West Coast, for, of three hours, and that sucks for them. Uh, I cut the cord five years ago, so. Uh, but I, oh, I hope man. that own, I, I kind of just get that feeling. I just kind of trust that it, it's going to happen in time. Me and too. I'm not missing anything gigantic right now. You know, I, I could miss the Italy card and not, you know, lose sleep over it. Same thing with the Israel card. Um, so, but it was kind of on my, my part. It's like, I don't have to get up for that. I get up and it's 1 PM. I'm like, Oh, all right. You know, ready to go. Like I get up at 1 PM anyway. <laughs> <laughs> But, well, uh, and, and, I, and I don't want it to be uh, taken as I'm not bashing to zone. Um, they, you know, they they went live when they were supposed to go live, and it just turned out when their cameras turned on, it was they were announcing the winner of the co-main event. Um, they replayed the whole event after that. After the after the main event, they showed the whole event, but it was just for me the the more the issue was just Bellator getting their timing down for television. Um, telling if you if you advertise for the entire week that it's going live for the first time ever we're gonna get to watch a european event live on paramount it's got to be live on paramount you know that's so my my issue is not so much with the zone the zone's fine i love the channel i watch i watch the hell out of it between all the events um and and, uh and it's nice to even watch bellator on you know if you're at a place where all of a sudden you catch yourself and it's just i I mean when i had my conversation with him I, i i know it's not that cut and dry you know, there's so many people in licensing agreements and making their advertisers happy. Like, I'm sure they they add that. You know, like what what's the thing with the pig that happened when they? I forgot what it was with the cartoon show that oh, they. Oh, where they had <laughs> to put the pig or <laughs> whatever. I mean? like, like, like yeah. there's too many there's too many hands in the pot. You know, for them to to to. I mean, when you when something goes wrong on live TV, you can't fix it because it's already live TV. So I, I just write it off to that. It doesn't bother me as much. I mean, obviously, I. You know, I'm not I'm not trying to go to a bar when I'm, I'm during my training time to watch an event, but uh, you know, it would be nice to to have everything have everything uh, you know, broadcast the way the way that you know, watch it live when it's live, no matter where where it's happening. Yeah, I mean, that I don't advertise. Yeah, that was advertised. Yeah, no, no, you're exactly right. It's as advertised. I guess that's my thing. You know, Bellator could have easily went on Twitter and said, hey, stay off Twitter for the next two hours. We're starting the event two hours prior to us actually going live. It's going to be on tape delay. If you don't want to see spoilers, you know, don't tune in to see. Uh, you I mean, know, I, yeah, if I hadn't even known, like I said, I wasn't I, I was busy. I, I, knew, I thought I was going to catch the Paramount four o'clock thing on my time, but. 
you know, I wound up getting tied up with other stuff. But um, which is fine because then uh, the UFC uh, was Adelaide in Australia. That was yeah. the one, That's what the one that I wound up tuning into. I'm actually having playing in the background now. That was that was part of the night. Real quick though, Alessio Sakara suffered a brutal knockout in the main event in his home country uh, to Kent uh, Kupanen um, in, a, in a light heavyweight bout. So uh, silenced the Italian crowd, um, and then that's how the Bellator weekend ended. Uh, two events, both successful. Little issues with the uh, with the broadcast, but uh, I, I would say both were entertaining cards. Um, at least everything that I caught, uh, especially like I said, the Friday night's full card. Yeah. So then uh, UFC. Uh, kicked off in, uh, in, um, in Australia. And, uh, you know, I, uh, I, I had it recorded. So I kind of just cut a lot of the fights that I was, um, interested in. Um, one of the early fights was, a, was a flyweight bout. I know the flyweight division is, is kind of teetering right now, but, um, Kai Kara France and, uh, Elias Garcia. I'm um, watching that now. <laughs> if you didn't see that, that's a hell of a fight. Um, I, I mean, it, probably one of my top 10 uh, fights at uh, at flyweight in the history of the UFC. Um, the, the amount of submission attempts and, yeah. and, and striking the, the back and forth was, was really great. So I'd, I'd recommend fans with, uh, with the ability to find that fight to do that. Um, you know, and then, and then obviously, uh, you know, when you get to the main card, uh, we both picked Justin Willis to, uh, to beat Mark Hunt. Didn't turn out the way I thought. Uh, I thought Willis would try to use some wrestling, um, I feel like that's the, almost the sure way of beating Mark Hunt now. Yeah. Um, and, uh, as it turns out, I guess standing and circling and throwing this, a few jabs. Well, let me ask you, you guys, I mean, did you, you saw, did you see a two year or no? I saw kind of most of it. My half of my eyeball was, I kind of did that. Mm-hmm. I had split screens. So but yeah, that that's kind of how I saw it. It was jab, jab, jab. And Mark Hunt looked pretty frustrated. Yeah, I was gonna say. So it looked it looked like after the first round, Mark Hunt kind of gave up a little bit. Like, you know, it was you know he, he's done fighting in the UFC. He said, he said you'll see me somewhere else. Like, so it it just seemed like he was like, let me just get this over with and, and get out of here. Yeah, I mean, I almost I almost felt like when he got cut on his shin, throwing that kick real early in the fight. It's like the second that, time that happened to him, by the way. It is the second time yeah. it's happened to him, and it, and it might have even happened more times in, in kickboxing, um, mm. in his K one days. But I uh. It almost felt to me like I felt like his, his the steam was taken out of him with that, and I I don't know if it's meant. I I don't maybe he has something planned for a month from now in in, uh, in Japan for the New Year's Eve show. Um, <laughs> but I I, I kind of got the impression like he was like son of a bitch. I just got a cut that could keep me out of a fight, um, and, and now I don't want to take any more damage. <laughs> I mean that's because it, it wasn't the typical Mark Hunt fight, you know. Yeah. You'd have a hard time finding me another tape of a Mark Hunt fight where he doesn't try to decapitate the dude. And it really, there was no point where he just decided, okay, I'm going balls to the wall. I have the chin of a of a statue. You know, uh, let me let's you know let me come yeah. at this guy. And and we didn't get that. So um, yeah, you know that yeah, was a little just, disappointing. It just like he wanted to fight through it and, and, and get know, it over with. Yeah, yeah, that's the impression I got. But then the uh, you know the whole weekend was saved. Uh, by the Pride FC legend uh, Mauricio Shogun Hua, uh, God, oh, yeah. bringing you know, kind of bringing back uh, the Shogun of about ten years ago, and, uh, and, and I mean, it, it, it was a painful way to come back, though. I mean, he took a lot of damage. I had me worried for a few moments there. 
Yeah, oh, there's no doubt. I mean, I we I picked him to lose. You picked him to lose. I, you know, and and after about a minute of the fight, I was kind of cringy and thinking this is going to be Anthony Smith, uh, 2.0. But um, you know, it, he used to he used some ground game, and I think I think he took him down, and all of a sudden realized, okay, you know, this isn't Rock'em Sock'em Robots, and this is how I won fights in Pride, and you know, I, I this is MMA. You know, I don't need to stand here and see who can land the hardest elbow. You know, I can take the guy down. I can wear him out. I can get him tired. You know, I can injure the guy, whether he pulls a hamstring or, you know, just gets a gnarly Charlie horse, which it almost looked like he did on a couple of those knees when they were in the clinch. But, you know, it it was it it was a smart fight from Shogun, especially when he suffered some damage in the beginning. And, um, you know, if he's able to stay away from the top seven or eight of the division and and fight with the fight with a little bit of more of the of a ground game mentality. Um, I I I think he can still hang. I mean, I think he's won one four out of five now. Obviously, his loss was was brutal, but um, I don't know. It just puts a smile on my face seeing those guys win. You always wonder when the last Pride Legends gonna gonna fight, uh, whether it's Shogun or Fedor or you know, really that's where we're down to now as far as guys who are even. You know, and, and correct me if I'm wrong. I can't really think of anybody else that I would say is necessarily successful right now um, that that has uh, a pride background. I mean, Mark Hunt suffered now two two losses in a row, and I don't know. I just put a smile on my face, and uh, you know, just especially after the Mark Hunt disappointment was was really nice to see for an old school fan. So, is do we know when uh, Shogun's uh, contract is up? That I have no idea. I, I have no idea. I. I, and I guess you, you, we think about him going to Japan too to to round out his career. I mean, I imagine that's that's possibly on the table for all these guys. I think anybody that fought there is gonna is wouldn't wouldn't mind putting in some final rounds there. I mean, Krokop's doing it. Um, I, I may Coker talked about bringing Fedor there to do uh, his cross promotional stuff. I don't think that's something that's that's probably more on the table than anything else. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, you know, for 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 Bellator to give up their guys to go there, I think it should just be fights that generally make sense. Um, the the Horiguchi fight with Caldwell makes sense; it's champion versus champion. Um, if Fedor wins the Grand Prix and becomes the Bellator heavyweight champion, I think a fight with Krokop, who was the open weight tournament champion, I think that you know it would sell no matter what. But I think it's a fight that you know where you got guys who aren't necessarily at the top of the game that they were 10 years ago, but you can still sell it as a champion versus a champion fight. Um, and, and it, for me, that, that adds to the, uh, adds to the stigma of the event. Um, you know, obviously a Bellator versus rising card would be awesome, but uh, if it's going to be a mixed card, but if Bellator is just going to selectively hand their guys over there, I think they need to pick and choose. Um, wisely. Wisely. Because you're, you're a head stomp away from one of your stars in Bellator getting head stomped, you know, and uh, yes. and and you know, uh, so I don't know. I think you you do it with the the fights where it's really a a, a a no lose. You know, if a champ fights a champ and and one of the other champs wins, it's not it's not as devastating as just sending Fedor over there to fight, uh, you know, Baruto and and having him, <laughs> you know, and and having him throw out his back and get slammed by a sumo guy. And, 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 and you know, that's, that's what you don't want to see. So um, that's, that's just kind of my take on it. But um, you know, and, and then after the Shogun fight, we got uh, the, the tie to Ivasa and junior Dos Santos. Uh, I think that fight pretty much lived up to what 
anybody who really knew these fighters would have expected. Um, I think a lot of people thought maybe uh, Dos, San- uh, Dos Santos's chin was a little bit more weathered, uh, but it seems to be holding up pretty strong in his last few fights. And uh, son of a bitch, man, you let that guy land a combination on you and uh, you're in big, big trouble. Yeah, I mean, uh, he's definitely uh, – he, he said he doesn't mind being the heavyweight division's gatekeeper, and uh, that's that's de- he's definitely making it a hard a – hard, he made himself a hard man to get past. Well, you, you talk about gatekeeper, and I'll ask you this quick, Yuri. If I told you Dos, Dos Santos was fighting Daniel Cormier in a month and a half, who would you pick? DC. You'd pick DC? You yeah. think he'd outstrike him, or do you think he'd just wrestle him down? Because we haven't really seen those. I mean, I, I obviously well, Kane, Kane did his thing against the cage, but I don't know. I, I guess you, Cormier could do that, but I know. think. Uh, well, you know, <laughs> the Black Emperor throws a lot like the Last Emperor. He throws his punches a lot like that. So when you're casting like that, it seems like Cormier almost casts his punches. But I mean, also he had the blueprint with his pal Kane, who did it a couple of times. Uh, you know, world class wrestling. You're going to use it. You know, just like Anderson Silva, you're going to use it. So uh, I think he would do that and uh, pound him out or do whatever. Uh, Junior Dos Santos isn't what he used to be, and I, we can touch on why or not, but uh, I just I would pick DC in that. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think you have to pick DC based off of their recent resumes, and 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 you you can't really pick against DC, I guess. But um, I. Uh, I, I just feel like I feel like it's a good matchup for Dos Santos. I mean, I don't think there's really any real bad matchups. I think his worst matchup is real crisp strikers, and and, and you know uh, when he fought Stipe, somebody like that who can who who he's on his game has really crisp boxing and and uh, you know uh, generally a, a pretty good chin. Um, you know, prior to his running into to Cormier, but um, I don't know. I, I just you know people were so quick to to count out Dos Santos, and I was one of them too. Um, after a couple of those losses, but I feel like he's kind of regained a lot. And if his chin holds up, um, we've never really seen him wrestled down. We've seen Kane uh, bully him up against the cage and, and kind of dirty box him to death. Um, but I don't yeah. feel like, unless I'm forgetting a fight, I don't, I don't remember him ever on his back. Um, at least not that I can remember. So I don't know. I it just, you know, I, I thought about that and all of a sudden it, it, you know, people talking about how there's not a lot of matchups and that was just a matchup that jumped out as one that, I'd pay to watch. I think it would be a hell of a hell of a heavyweight scrap. I'd watch Junior Dos Santos fight just about anybody, just because we've we've seen what he's capable of. It's just he's one of those guys to me that you know uh, you hear a lot of fighters, including Fedor and stuff. That you know the mind is the weapon, and I a lot of times I don't see Junior Dos Santos using it, and we saw that a lot in, in both Kane fights, which I think they were a little too close together. I would say that those three fights were, I, I think the UFC kind of spent that out real quick. And, uh, you know, we kind of, everybody's impression was that Kane and Junior Dos Santos were going to run the table for the next seven, eight years, kind of like Fedor Krokop. And uh, it didn't happen like that. And But what we saw, I thought, was that uh, Junior Dos Santos kind of didn't have the, a strong mind that I thought he might have. But, uh, you know, he's built a little different. Some, some people think a little bit differently than they look. Um, but I'd still pay to see that guy fight anybody. And I wouldn't, um, I didn't necessarily pick two of us to, to beat him. Uh, I just wanted to see that fight. It was a good heavyweight fight and it delivered in my opinion. Yeah. Just real quick. Um, you know, just to remind fans, I mean, right now, uh, 
Junior Dos Santos record stands at 20 and five. Um, take away one of his early losses prior to being in the UFC. Um, his only losses have been twice to Cain Velasquez, uh, once to Overeem in in a bit of a questionable stoppage, and and then his, his fight to Stipe Miocic. So, um, you know, and he's coming off two dominant wins over now to Ivasa and, and Blagoy Ivanov, who, uh, who a lot of us had some some high hopes for. So I don't know. I mean, he's also got a win over Stipe and Ben Rothwell. I mean, the guy's obviously a killer. I just thought that, you know. If uh, if if Cormier wasn't able to take him down, I don't know how, if he'd be able to uh, wrestle him against the cage uh, like uh, like Kane Kane did. Uh, Kane yeah. just seems a little bit more muscular and maybe a little bit more strength in the upper body. But again, I, I could be totally wrong, and and Kane could take care of it. Um, so that that wraps up the uh, that. Um, I know we need to do the two thirty one picks. So we're running late on time. Yeah, that's we, what we brought Yuri in for. So let's get to it. I know, but I, I feel like it would be a crime if we didn't quickly mention the Wilder uh, Fury yes. fight. Um, just quick takes. Everybody who follows the sport knows that uh, that that it ended up being a a, a split draw. Um, uh, what what was your what was quickly what was your what was your uh, scorecard, Yuri? Oh, I I probably something like one fifteen, one eleven, Tyson. Uh, I thought. It pissed me off. What a bunch of crap. You know, same boxing crap that, that always happens. And, you know, it's like Canelo and Triple G. When they rematched, you're like, it, it's, it's, man, it's just so corrupt and, and so full of shit. But uh, I think 115, 111. But we got to see something that we never thought we would see. That was crazy. How about, did you catch the fight, Ed? No. No? Well, you should. It was a great fight. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but, uh, I, you know, yeah, I thought Fury won the fight, but he got absolutely blasted twice, dropped. Um, I, I argue for pride scoring all the time. I know that's not the rules for boxing. I realize that Fury probably should have won the fight uh, on the scorecards. The person who had Wilder 115-111 uh, was high going into that fight as a judge. Um, the judge who had a draw, I don't have such a big deal with um, just because – it's, you know, you get knocked down twice and you don't knock the other guy down. I know that's not how it's scored, um, but I, I, I don't have a major issue with the draw. I thought it was a great fight, one of the best heavyweight fights we've seen in a long time, and I actually look forward to the rematch. So I will leave it at that, um, and we'll get into 231. Uh, main card picks. Uh, this event this Saturday night in uh, Toronto, Canada. Uh, opening bout, Jimmy Manoa versus Tiago uh, Santos. Uh do your thing, Yuri. Who do you got? Well, yeah, I mean, uh, I actually wrote notes. I listened to Ed, and he, he's uh, here's my napkin. <laughs> um, <clears throat> reach uh, looks like what seventy nine and a half for Jimmy. Jimmy is uh, thirty eight. I, I see this as a must win for him. Um, he's lost what four of the last seven and lost two straight. At thirty eight, he's fighting thirty four year old uh, Tiago Santos. Who's come, this is the crazy thing about Tiago. This is his fifth fight this year, and he is—he's uh, had twelve fights in the UFC in the last three years, exactly in the last three years, and he's nine and three in those. Uh, he's thirty-four. He's younger. He's hungry. I think Jimmy might be on his way out. I'm picking Tiago Santos in that. Me too. Uh, we're on the same page, pretty much, Yuri, for for all the right reasons, for all the same reasons. Um, I'm I'm going with Jimmy Manua. Uh, every time I get behind Tiago Santos, he uh, he has a letdown fight. 
Um, whether it's, I know, I obviously he's not fighting Gegard Musashi this fight, um, but I feel like every t- you know, his three losses seems like he wins three, and then he takes like a a, a loss in a, in a in a fight where he doesn't really show up. Um, I feel like the 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 amount of fights could catch up with him. Um, he's coming off a great win over Kevin Holland and uh, Eric Anders, but I'm gonna go with uh, I'm gonna go with Manua. I think he's gonna catch him and. Uh, I, I just think it's going to bring Santos down to earth. He's having his only a second fight now at 205. Uh, the Anders fight was a 205, but that was against Anders, who's generally a 185er. So I think now he's going to actually fight a, a true 205 fighter um, who probably walks around, uh, you know, closer to 230. And uh, so I'll, I'll go with Manua uh, just based off of an instinct that uh, that Santos, uh, you know, tends to tends to not be able to put the huge win streaks together. Um. The next fight uh, is not one that I'm super familiar with. Hakeem uh, Dauda versus Kyle uh, Bochniak. Uh, I know Bochniak coming off of his uh, decision loss to uh, Megomed uh, Shapirov um, in in a fight where he stood in there and and took it on the chin, but got through all through all three rounds. Um, I don't really have a real take on that fight. Uh, You got notes for that one too, Yuri? Absolutely not. <laughs> I do. So, All right, Ed. So, so Duadu is a, a he's a World Series of Fighting vet. He did really well there. Um, he's one and one in the UFC, but I think he's actually uh, I think he's he's actually got a better chance of of taking out Botchniak only because uh that the, the you know he was making his way in from crossing over. He's part of that. He's part of the uh, when when World Series of Fighting was transitioning to PFL and the guys that. When it, that that the went to the UFC, you know David Branch, Marlon Moraes. So he's one of the he's one of the um, up and comers from WSOF that made the same move. Um, so I just I, I think Duwadu could outwork him uh, just because he didn't he I think he he went six six straight wins before he got to the, the UFC. So that's why I'm going with Duwadu. Yeah, you know, you, you mentioned that, and I, I did do a little bit of research. So I go with Duadu as well because he has a win over a Megomed, while Bochniak has a loss to a Megomed, Shapirov. So, you know, if you got a Megomed on your record, he beat Merat Megomed. He actually had a draw, and then he beat him in World Series of Fighting. Yeah. So I'll, I'll go with Duadu uh, based off the fact that he beat a Megomed, and um, we, know how <laughs> tough, we know how tough those Megomeds are. Yeah. So, do, you, do you remember <laughs> that one? That one uh, World Series of Fighting, I swear, half of them was a Megamed. Half the entire card. Yeah, I think we previewed that one. That was one of the Megamed. It, it was. Uh, it was just recently. It was a. Uh, actually, it was. A, I think it was a PFL card. There was. There was like six Megameds. Uh, Megameds on the card. So PFL they, they just six, got them in a freezer yeah. and they're pulling out Megameds. Yeah, I think. I think there was one guy named Megomed. 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 Sharaf. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so well, that's kind of become a running joke here. I, but yeah. uh, but what do you got to say? No, uh, I actually had that explained to me by one of my uh, training partners that that has something to do with their region or something that they're from. But and I mean that's that's for another episode. <clears throat> uh, so then uh, we go to a welterweight uh, clash: uh, Alex Cowboy Oliveira uh, versus the submission ace Gunner Nelson. Um, I'll give my take real quick. Uh, I'm a big fan of uh, Cowboy Oliveira. I think he's one of the more underrated fighters in the UFC. Mm-hmm. Um, I know he's got some tough losses to some really good competition. Um, 
I think he's just too much for Gunnar Nelson on the feet. And I think he'll, he's too good on the ground. Um, I think he'll avoid submissions and uh, probably pound out Gunnar, Gunnar Nelson by TKO uh, uh, from while Gunnar's he probably has him in his guard or, or half guard. But I, I think, uh, I think he'll just uh, lay too much wood and, and do too much damage um, and, and stop Gunnar Nelson. Yeah, uh, no, I've, I've got to agree. I don't know if it's going to be a stoppage or what, but I'm definitely leaving, uh, leaning cowboy, which hurts because uh, Gunner's my Icelandic blood brother out there, and he, he needs to do something. But he's a really old, 30 years old, I think, Gunner. And it's kind of weird like that sometimes. So, But uh, I'm going cowboy with that too. He's just crisp, fast, and like you said, I think he's a little bit underrated. Yeah, I'm also going Oliveira too, and I agree with you. I mean – 30 is not as pretty old for combat sports. You know, the, 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 the sport ages those guys pretty fast with the wear and tear that they take. So um, Oliveira's got uh, – he's got two performance of the night bonuses that he's won, and, and even when he lost, he's still got a fight of the night uh, on his record uh, award. So he's definitely uh, – he's, he's bringing more to the, to the table. <clears throat> then in the co-main event, we finally get a women's flyweight title fight uh, after Nico Montano was stripped of her belt uh, after she defeated uh, – Roxanne Matafari at the Ultimate Fighter uh, uh, finale, um, and then missed weight and uh, had to go to the hospital again in her scheduled bout, bout against uh, Shevchenko. Uh, this time, though, we get uh, Valentina Shevchenko versus uh, Joanna Janjacek, the uh, the former strawweight champion, moving up to fight uh, to fight really the the consensus uh, number one fighter in, in the in the flyweight division uh, in the UFC. Um, you know, I got to go with Shevchenko based off her size. Uh, she was able to hang with Nunez, who's now going up to 145 to fight Cyborg. Uh, when when they had uh, two bouts at 135, uh, arguably won the first fight. Um, arguably won both fights. Uh, t- to be to be humble about it, um, Shevchenko's too tough. I think she has too much size. She's already two and zero, I believe, against uh, Joanna in kickboxing bouts. Um, prior to the UFC career. Not that that means a ton, uh, but mentally it's got to, uh, it's got to really help her going into the cage. I imagine she's going to believe she's pretty superior um, going in there. Uh, what do you, what do you say, Ed? Um, that this is one of the ones I'm having trouble with and, and, and I'm siding with you on the, on the size difference, but this is also a heavier weight for Joanna. So I don't know if that helps her or hinders her. You know, as far as her output, she's been known to go to put out more in the later rounds when she fights someone. But like you said, I mean, if, if they're both if they both go toe to toe and try to strike each other, history says Shevchenko beats her, and uh, Shevchenko's also more comfortable fighting at this weight. Not and again, it's I know it should be easier for Joanna because she's not cutting those ten extra pounds, but it's still. It's still going to be something that, that the weight will exhaust her, and she might lose a, she might lose a step in her in her output. So I'm actually having a hard time picking this one. I, I it's MMA, it's not Muay Thai. So um, I don't know. I'm on the fence. I feel like I feel like you're right with the uh, the weight of uh, you know Shevchenko just being a bigger person for her to fight. But um, I don't know. I think the real difference and and Joanna's uh, crazy craziness to get a, t- a belt back around her waist might also be a factor. So I'm, I'm on the fence. I'm on the fence and all. I, I can't really pick one yet. That's, that's interesting. You say that. And let me just say this about the card real quick. This is a, this is a good card in that it seems, uh, you know, we're, we're making our picks, 
But these, all these fights and, and the one that we're going to discuss could go either way. It's that good. And that's what I like about this fight. In fact, when I'm writing down my notes, I'm, and by the way, uh, in kickboxing, Muay Thai, it was actually, they had three fights and three, she was three, you know, and I watched them. And, you know, one of uh, Joanna's complaints about all that was that, uh, it was that Valentina was, you know, a lot of tripping, a lot of things that, you know, mm. don't come into play when it comes to point fighting in Muay Thai and with pads and, and those fights, but she's three and all against her. Um, that said, you could see that Valentina was, was bullying her around. Like you said, Matt, uh, you see a lot of that power. Obviously, it all goes to Valentina. Um, if Joanna was a double black belt in jiu-jitsu, I'm giving this fight to her. Because if it goes to the ground, um, I see her being able to pull something off. But uh, I think she keeps it on the feet. And this one is weird. I actually wrote this down as a draw. <laughs> because for the same yeah. reasons that... Uh, for the same reasons that you mentioned, Ed, that she wants that belt so bad around her. Um, those fights in kickboxing, that was 2006, 7, and 8. Yeah. So we're beyond 10 years and, uh, to a dozen years. And obviously it's different rules and stuff, but uh, could be a split draw. I don't see that. I don't see a stoppage in this one. I see it going to a, deci- a decision. Uh, a close one. I don't know. So um, I'm going to go just on record as saying Valentina because she's bigger, tougher, and there's the size differences there. But I think it should make for a real, real good fight. I hope I'm right. Do we know? Well, do we do we know what weight they fought at when they fought in Muay Thai? I, I want to say 115, but I, I don't quote me. So the the only thing that 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 makes it hard for me too to pick is if it does go to the ground, like. Obviously, the trips and all that stuff will be allowed, but I mean, Joanna has has survived uh, black belts submission. You know, she 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 survived uh, Godella twice, so I, I think she's I think she's got the uh, you know this. I think she's savvy enough to avoid a submission. I know Shevchenko has, has pulled off a few slick submissions recently. You know, um, in her in her recent fights, but I don't know. It, it's a tough one. It's a tough one. I mean. Yeah, I mean, I I, I think I'm going to stick with uh, with Matt and try and lean Shevchenko. Yeah, I mean, to Yuri's point, hopefully it's not a draw. That division needs some kind <laughs> of stability right now, and a draw would, <laughs> uh, you know, we might be talking about them getting rid of that division at, at that point if, if they can't, they go a full year and a half without a, a fighting champion. So, well, can uh, you imagine? Can you imagine uh, fighting three times in Muay Thai and then coming over to the UFC and drawing? Um, I don't think the UFC would be sad about that because they'd sell that, sell the hell out of the second one. But uh... no, yeah, I mean, I, I say that just from the perspective of the other fighters in the division that um, yeah. that that fight needs to uh, be to decisive. Cha- I think so. I think it needs to crown a champion so that division can really start to take off. There's a lot of talent there and a lot of potential good fights, and uh, I, I I think that the UFC's kind of dropped the ball a little bit with um with, with how. Uh, you know they can't really control the Nico Montano situation, but um, uh, that's unfortunately how it unfolded, and they, they need a way out now. And I, I think uh, crowning one of these women a decisive champion would would be would be big uh, for the future of that division. Um, then we get to looking forward to the main event, uh, one of the most talked about fights, um, and one of the best potential fights uh, that the UFC can put together. Um, champion Max Holloway uh, faces Brian Ortega for the featherweight championship of the world um why don't you go ahead ed you got there you know i'm surprised that uh, when the odds were first posted for this fight that ortega was the underdog because i i have him winning um just <clears throat> based on his 
he's another guy. He's he's got a lot of mass. Um, he's got reach over a, a Holloway from the last uh, face-off I saw them do. But, um, I mean, I'm also concerned, and I'm not trying to jinx it, but, I mean, it's been coming up. I mean, even Ortega said it on the media day uh, yesterday or today that, uh, I mean, Holloway's been doing his media appearances, and it doesn't look like he's better from why they pulled him off the last card. So, I mean, uh, don't be surprised if, if Shevchenko and Joanna wind up being our main event on Saturday last minute. But um, let's let's be positive. I mean, I, because of Holloway, and Holloway's been a great champion and stuff, but because of all that stuff that's going on and they still can't figure out what, what went on, um, you know, he's been inactive. Uh, he might not be healthy that we know of or he even knows of. I mean, he's a purple belt in jiu-jitsu versus Ortega's black belt. And, um, you know, Ortega's shown that he can put people away standing up too. And the guy he put away was someone that never been knocked out before in Frankie Edgar. So I think everything, if the fight does happen, I, I see Ortega winning. How about you, uh, Yuri? I agree. Um, you know, we're seeing Holloway as the favorite there. I don't want to bring up, I don't want to bring up that other thing too much because it's been talked about. So as Ed said, uh, I'll stay on the positive with this. This is uh, this is another one that man, it, it is so close. Uh, you look at the guys that uh, Holloway lost to, uh, all great guys. But, I, you know, these people are – the media is talking about him being an unstoppable force. Duke Rufus, Zabi, Mendez, uh, Javier Mendez, um, and Mark Henry and Danny Castillo. All these guys are picking Holloway and uh, for good reason. But I just – you know, when I look at Ortega, let's see, we've got – you know, there's three inches. Holloway's got three inches on him. But that the reach is uh, virtually identical. So, but I, I can see something like Ortega being in a situation where they're up along the fence. You know, he's got to clinch, maybe an uppercut, wobbles him a little bit. He gets the takedown. So you, you, I just picture the fight as being one where Ortega somewhere down the line gets a hold of him and, uh, you know, scruffles up on the fence and uh, either it finishes. That's, that's kind of the feeling I'm getting that Ortega is going to finish him late. Yeah, I'm. I'm actually uh, assuming everybody's healthy, and uh, and and we get a fight of two fighters fully prepared and and uh, physically there. Um, I, I'm going with Holloway um, since the day the fight was announced. I I see him right now as is uh, being pretty much top ball game um, in that division. I don't think the fight will end up on the ground. Um, I think he'll he'll end up it'll end up being a striking fight, and I think Max will be able to take uh, Ortega into deeper waters than he's used to standing. Um, I, I, we know Max isn't afraid to get in there and, and just full on trade, so I think uh, situations like that might might not uh, favor Ortega. Um, and uh, I, I just I mean I hope that they're both healthy, and 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 this is the fight that we all we all want it to be uh, because it has potential this for greatness, but. Um, I, yeah, I, I got Holloway. I think I think Ortega. You know, I, I generally will go with the champion uh, fighting a guy who's in his first real, real main event. Um, uh, where uh, and it might be as Ortega main. I guess he he main evented with uh, Cub Swanson yeah. in in, Fre- in Fresno last. Uh, I think it was last December. But um, you know, I uh, I just I feel like the spotlight gets real big, and and I, I generally like to lean towards the guys that have been through it. And, um, and, and that might not mean that they don't have a rematch down the line and Ortega beats him. Uh, but I think the experience and, uh, just the willingness that I know, uh, Holloway is willing to basically go to the death in the cage. 
Um, I, I, I lean towards him uh, in this specific fight. Um, to your point, Ed, about the fight possibly being canceled, um, we obviously know that it never seems to really work out. But as far as I know, Hanato uh, Moicano is is a full oh, on right, yeah. is a full on backup for either fighter. Um, uh, Ortega already has a win over him, um, so obviously that wouldn't make for necessarily the best title fight. But um, and it maybe perhaps not even the main event if that were to happen. Um, it still could end up being Valentina uh, Shevchenko and, uh, and and Joanna. But um, but there is a backup that's supposedly in place um, so that if only one of the two guys is able to go, we still either get to watch Holloway or uh, Ortega. Yeah. I mean, or- Ortega's uh, never had issues and he said he's uh, uh, being ready. He said, he said he's fighting. Uh, that, I guess that's why he said he's fighting on Saturday, regardless of what happens with Holloway's health. Yeah, so. no, I, but we know how the fight game goes. He, yeah. he could, he could slip in the shower and, and, and all of a sudden, you know, um, I, you know, I don't know a lot about the Toronto commission. <laughs> Say hi to Skip Bayless and blow out his knee. Yeah. I mean, there's, <laughs> there's always, we, we know that, craziness happens um he gets food poisoning yeah. I, you know i don't i don't know the toronto commission all that well so i i don't really know how how strict they are or, you know if you know obviously if this fight was in new york it would go up 10 or 15 percent chance of something something being canceled yeah. um but that's it let me so, uh, go ahead let quick. me ask you guys this this is one thing i was wondering uh, i didn't see that any judges were picked i thought that that was important particularly with this card because a lot of these fights i see those real close I didn't see that they picked the judges, and that kind of matters. Have you guys heard anything on that? No. Generally, you, you'll, generally you'll hear that they're announced, I don't know, two, three weeks out, something like that, and I didn't see that yet. Anywhere. Yeah, I don't know. That could come down to the uh, uh, Canadian Commission. Maybe they have – maybe they don't – I don't I don't know. Maybe to avoid corruption yeah, or I mean, letting they, people they've – had had, They've had their issues with combat sports in Canada, so – yeah, I mean, it's nice to know ahead of time, but I could also see why you wouldn't necessarily want a, a referee announced. You, you open him up to, to possible corruption, you know, two weeks in advance as opposed to, you know, maybe 24 hours in advance. A lot less people can get a hold of the guy or, you know, who, who knows? This is combat sports and, and the history has uh, – and that could go for judges as well. Um, so, you know, I, I don't well, – but I don't, I don't know that is a good point. I haven't heard anything about it. Yeah, and, and no, and it was the judges. I'm sorry. It was actually the judges that I meant, but yeah. Did, did they say the referee was? No, I don't have information on either of those. And that because these fights are so close, you know, uh, it could be that Gunnar Nelson goes the distance with Oliveira. And uh, who knows? So I haven't heard anything on any of the officiating from any scope yet. And I thought that was a little bit odd. Cool. Yeah. It'll be interesting. Good, good fights. Um, like I said, we had uh, the, the Combate Americas tournament Friday, uh, then the UFC on Saturday. Um Glory, Glory has an eight-man throwback heavyweight tournament on uh, on Saturday morning on Fight Pass. Um, Sunday, Polaris and EBI are on um, Fight Pass. I think Fight Pass has seven events this weekend, so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna look up or, or go through every one. But there's obviously a ton of action again coming off of last weekend, so lots of quick naps uh, and, and then fight time all, all weekend long. Um, thanks again for joining us, Yuri. Um, I know you can be found uh, on uh, Twitter at uh, SparkYuri, um, and uh, you're at or you're SparkYuri uh, on the MMAcommunity.com forum as well as the Underground forum. So um, again, thanks for the uh, contribution to the site, um, and and thanks for joining Absolutely. us. Absolutely. Well, thanks for having me. Let me give a shout out because I, I know Birdwatcher just loves this shirt, and this <laughs> one is nothing. 
This was my uh, secret Santa from the MMA community for Ben Wawa. And Ben Wawa spends a lot of time over at uh, Masato Toys Forum, which is great for him. And even I, I, I thought that was an Aquaman shirt for some reason. No, I don't know if you noticed this, but I got the Khabib kind of thing going here, and then I've got the Star of Dave, Gay Star of David going on here. I'm a walking dichotomy. I don't know. So, But anyway, shout out to those guys, and thanks, guys, for having me again. It was fun. Thank you, man. Thanks for the support. Yeah, and as, as usual, everybody can follow us at Combat Hour uh, on Twitter. Um, myself, at MMAHawk21 on Twitter and Instagram. You can follow Ed at uh, Carbazal on uh, Twitter and at Carbeerzal on Instagram. Um, again, we're always uh, looking for any donations through the, uh, the anchor, um, the anchor app. Uh, you can donate to the, to the podcast. Uh, we've picked up a couple smaller sponsors uh, that we get paid for clicks. So even if you watch this on YouTube, if you don't mind clicking on the, uh, on the links uh, on iTunes or, or any of the audio, um, it, it could really help the show. So again, make thanks. Sure you subscribe on Google play, Apple, anywhere podcasts are played. Spot exactly. Any, any, subscriptions, any subscriptions, any clicks, uh, really, really help the show out. And, and as we continue to want to grow and, uh, and, and go places with this thing. So, um, again, uh, good talking to you, Yuri, as usual, Ed, uh, we'll keep in touch this week as the, uh, the fights unfold and, uh, another busy week, man. Talk cool. to you next week. See you. Hey, y'all, East Coast Ed here. If you'd like to support this podcast, you can be a monthly supporter for as little as 99 cents a month. This podcast will always be free, but if you help Matt and I out for future episodes, supporters will be shouted out on the show, and large supporters will be randomly selected to do predictions for a big pay-per-view event in the future. So please click the support tab and enjoy the show.